You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, August 4th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friday's on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, brand new website. Or if by any chance you're into pop culture and entertainment, you can also find my work on those topics at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse, Bloody Disgusting, Film Cred, and more. And hopefully many more to come. But most importantly, guys, of this year Lockdown Padres podcast, you can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno. And that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, only if you feel so inclined. You can hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have, and I'll do my very best to get back to you and maybe even get back to you here on the show. I've decided to bring back the old send me a five-star review on the Apple Podcasts app, and you're guaranteed to have your question answered, so be sure to do that, guys. Apple Podcasts, great platform to send me five-star reviews, in my opinion. In my opinion. Not that I'm bribing or anything. Not that I'm bribing. I would never bribe you guys. Of course not. Of course not. But, you know. Give it a give it a look. Give it a look. Uh, today's episode, guys, is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the app and find one of our many locked on rooms for all the baseball stuff and chatter for whatever team you follow from any of our locked on hosts. Uh, Spotify Green Room changing the way we talk sports. And for today's uh, episode, we're going to be recapping last night's W against the Oakland A's in a first of a two-game short set. Going to be giving my thoughts on that. That might surprise you a little bit, believe it or not. And then I'm going to be talking with Ben Kaspik of Locked On Giants for a mega giant trade deadline recap review thing, I guess you could say. Because I haven't really talked about, you know, maybe everything aside from the Giants. Maybe, maybe you know, you guys might be uh, interested in that. So we decided to talk about that, and especially from a Giants fan perspective and kind of our thoughts thoughts on the Dodgers and all that stuff, right? It's a really kind of trade deadline primer after the fact, I guess you could call it. So look forward to that. But for now, you have to stick with me and just my voice. Let's talk about last night's game. The Padres get a W8 to one in this one, which is a little bit surprising given the pitching matchup. Sean Maniah versus the very struggling Blake Snell. Would it surprise you to know that Blake Snell ended up kind of being the better pitcher tonight? He goes five innings, giving up only one run on six hits, walking three, striking out six. Again, walking a lot of batters. Uh, His ERA still sits at 5.24 on the year. But he did throw 105 pitches, which is kind of nice. Blake Snell not usually known to be able to go that deep into his pitch count, but he does tonight. And in my opinion, in my opinion, and remember, this this is an important factor, my opinion, I actually don't think he was very good last night. I really don't. I think that there is some really good defensive plays made. Everything from Will Myers, who made a nice throw to home plate uh, in the second inning to kind of get them out of a jam. I really thought that that was good. Uh, nailing Josh Harrison at the plate, who I like. It was actually, I thought that was a pretty good uh, pickup by the A's, by the way, at the deadline. Um and I just thought that the defense was pretty good. Hassan Kim looking like a defensive wizard over at shortstop. Love that guy so much, even if his bat isn't catching up just yet. Uh, and you, you've got all the guys, like everyone from Grisham to Machado. Like, I just felt like there was some good plays made. And I thought that the A's, like, really put the bat on the ball, and it just ended up not being hit. So I don't think Blake Snell looked all that great. But granted, 
I, I wouldn't mind some luck going Blake Snell's way uh, because the Padres are certainly going to need it. Uh, and then Sean Manaya, I actually think, despite his final slash line of four and a thirds innings, giving up five runs on eight hits and walking none but striking out four, I actually thought that he looked a little bit better than that. A lot of it came in the first inning. And a lot of it came thanks to, uh, I haven't really shared my thoughts on him, but Jake Marisnik, new kind of recruit from the Padres. Uh, first of all, Tommy Pham hits a home run, top of the first, by the way, to start off the game. So, nice moment for him. He ends up going, let's see here, just to make sure I got it right. Yeah, he goes two for five with two ribbies in this game. Obviously, one of them being a solo home run. Uh, And then also, Trent Grisham has a pretty decent game, going two for five with two RBIs. Does strike out twice, though. But uh, I bring up those two because they have not been good uh, over the course of the last month. And to be specific, they've been actually well below average. For example, I mean, Trent Grisham being an extreme. Since July 1st, he has a 181 batting average heading into tonight's game of course. I imagine it boosted a little bit, but uh, a 54 WRC plus, which is kind of a stat that for those who might not know is good for just judging overall a player's value compared to, you know, how much better are they than the average player, you know, and this is 50% worse basically than the average player at 54, only three extra base hits. That's a 0.053 isolated power, a 20.4% K rate, uh, which isn't that bad to be perfectly honest with you uh, and then a 3.7% home run fly ball so he hasn't been hitting the ball particularly hard and he's been struggling he's been struggling and it's thinks because to start off the season he looked like he was going to improve for sure and that's not looking like that right now and fam on the other side of things also has not been all that great 217 batting average which isn't awful not awful uh but more importantly 26 percent k rate on his part and a 75 wrc plus so while he has been able to generate walks every now and then he's definitely had a, a poor last month i guess so it was nice to see these two guys have some good games but i want to talk about most importantly uh jake brisnick who was in this game he starts uh and look Look, look, here's the thing. I didn't really talk about the Jake Marisnik acquisition because I didn't feel like it was that major of one to talk about. I was more just sad uh, on Friday and Monday, to be honest with you, and Tuesday, too, as well. Uh, but he's basically just going to be one of those guys that can fill in. He's had some playoff experience, has a good glove, just give you someone behind Trent Grisham, and who knows, maybe it was a buy low. Anderson Espinosa at one point, I feel like, was a little bit higher on people's prospect radar, which is who they gave up. He was the number nine prospect in the Padres system, but you know what? I, I think Marisnik's okay, but basically the reason to lead up all into all this, but let me let me explain why I'm talking about Jake Marisnik. He gets the start uh, in today's game in left field, and he goes one for four with one big RBI hit that, you know, kind of started the downfall of, of Sean Manaya in a big, big way, and that was in the uh, top of the second when the Padres end up making it 4 nothing. And, you know, there was some questionable calls. Uh, a questionable non-strike three call. So I do think that the Padres absolutely, by, by the way, when I say questionable, I mean, certainly. It was definitely a strike on Jake Marisnik. He probably had multiple strikes on him, and it ends up not happening. And then it leads to Tommy Pham hitting a single, and then it leads to Jake Cronenworth reaching on an infield single, uh, allowing guys to score. So it was nice, but also keep in mind, they did get very fortunate there. Uh, so I really do think that Sean Manet just had like a really bad start to the game, but wasn't all that awful. And to a degree, he was due for you know a not-so-stellar start. He'd been on fire lately uh, for that A's team. And also, he got hit in the first inning. By, by a comebacker to the mound by Manny Machado. Maybe that threw him off a little bit. I don't know. But uh, nonetheless, it's still a W, and it still counts. Love to see it from the Padres. We'll have to see if they can get a W in tomorrow's game. And in tomorrow's game, the pitching matchup is going to be Joe Musgrove versus Frankie Montas. Uh, Frankie Montas, very 
inconsistent pitcher and Joe Musgrove, a very good pitcher. So we'll see if he can kind of uh, quell this A's offense um, in a more legitimate way. Because I really think that Snell had a little bit of a lucky start uh, in in a lot of ways. So hopefully Musgrove can throw that curveball and slider and cutter and shred them to pieces in tomorrow's game. Um, And also, hopefully, by the time you guys are listening to this, I'll have a piece up about the Padres, kind of my full, all-encompassing thoughts over at Just Baseball. So stay tuned for that. I'll uh, hopefully link it in the description of tomorrow's podcast. I'm recording late right now, so it's not actually up yet. Uh, So hopefully I can do that. Check that out over at Just Baseball, all-encompassing kind of thoughts on the Padres and my back-and-forth thoughts over the past four days of nightmarish kind of moments. So definitely a lot of stuff to look forward to on that front. But before we start the chat with Mr. Ben Caspic, guys, I want to talk to you about the old Spotify Greenroom, the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms, obviously, for Lockdown Padres all season long, once a week. You can join in on the conversation, guys, and it's a perfect place. It's really accessible. You just download the app, and you just talk. You know what I mean? You just talk. It's just as simple as that, and it's really fun. You can find all sorts of insiders on there, from Mark Stein to people at The Ringer, if you guys are a big Ringer fans. Uh, the, the Bill Simmons website, like, really great stuff over there. Kevin O'Connor for NBA Talk, all that stuff, right? They've got all sorts of stuff. Uh, and I don't know exactly which day this week I'm going to be doing a room, uh, but I will be doing one probably... Uh, One of the weekend days, one of the weekend days, probably most likely Sunday. So keep an eye out for that against the D-backs for 10 p.m. Eastern time is a start on Sunday. So keep an eye out for that, guys. Go download. Remember, the free Spotify Greenroom app currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest updates. Follow me there at Javier Reyes to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. Kind of always a fun time on the old green room. So remember, guys, Spotify green room. I'll see you there. Changing the way we talk sports. And now one more message, guys, and then we're talking to Ben. All right, everybody, as promised, as prophesized, I am being joined by a, a returning guest to the show who's a fan of the, the team in my division that I don't loathe as much as the other, and that is the Dodgers. Of course, I loathe everything about them. They ruined my weekend, ruined my birthday in a lot of ways. So not talking about the Dodgers today. I mean, we probably will, but you know, I don't want to have a Dodgers host on, I guess is the way to say it. Instead, I am being joined by the host of the Locked On Giants podcast, Mr. Ben Caspic. Sir, how are you doing on this fine uh, deadline post game? I don't even know what to call it. The, the, the hangover of the deadline? Like, what's going on? <laughs> it's always a weird time after the deadline because you get so worked up about who is my team going to acquire and that's all your focus is kind of outside your own team and, and almost thinking almost like critical of your own team in a way because you're wanting different players but then the deadline passes and then it's, the focus is back entirely on the team that you have so for the Giants it was an exciting deadline and it came down to the last minute so I'm doing great thank you the Dodgers by the way they also ruined my birthday about a week prior with a walk-off <laughs> win so uh, happy birthday to you um, sorry that 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 happened, but anyway, it's been it's been a lot of fun with having Chris Bryant in the lineup for the Giants. It's it's kind of surreal. I know that there was a lot of drama uh, with the Padres and the Dodgers at the deadline, so I'm I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, man, and, and yes, the Dodgers just ruin everybody, you know, no matter what. Yeah, it was. But when you speak about the Scherzer thing, and basically what we're going to talk about today, guys, is just a lot of trade deadline thoughts. 
about general teams, especially both of ours, obviously everybody's heard mine a whole lot. And I imagine you might have some questions for me, but yeah, it was, it was a weird deadline because it was not even weird deadline. Why am I saying weird? It was an explosive, every single team. I'd argue it was the first time in a while that, you know, how every year they're always like, this team needs to have a fire sale. This team needs to have, I think they're going to, and they only ever trade like, you know, a couple guys that are like, are the obvious ones. No, we genuinely had fire sale teams this year, basically across all of baseball from the, the Cubs to the nationals who sold very quickly, by the way, shout out Mike Rizzo. And then, even the Minnesota Twins to a, a very large degree, uh, even though they didn't get to sell everybody, but still like there, it was a genuine kind of insane fire. So, but I want to talk about your team first. And I want to talk about your team because I'm following you on Twitter. Everybody's freaking out. They're like, the giants are contenders and they're contenders with a roster that isn't necessarily going to be the same next year. They might've hit big on this one year. Why aren't they buying? Why aren't they doing all this stuff? And then you very smartly were like, look, the giants do this a lot. They just play possum for essentially the entire week. And then all of a sudden, the last hour of the deadline, they make one of the biggest moves, which is trading for Chris Bryant. What was that like? What, and what is your thoughts on it? It was exciting. And it, it really did come down to the last 10 minutes of the deadline. And so I was sweating it out a little bit, but somehow, I mean, looking back on it, I don't know how I was able to maintain belief that they were going to pull something off when we were 10 minutes to go there and they hadn't done anything but Chris Bryant was still on the board and I guess I was feeling like that was the most likely thing they were going to do and it's true like if you look at Farhan Zaidi's track record when he was with the Dodgers when he was with the A's I mean think about the A's for a second whenever that team is in serious contention they make moves even though Mm -hmm. they're the A's and the same was true this year they went out and got one of the best rental players on the market in Starling Marte and they paid a hefty price for it, but they, they went for it. So credit to them there. But, uh, and so when, when Zaidi was with the Dodgers too, they went out and got you Darvish. They went out and got Manny Machado as rentals to kind of bolster that contending team. So I just felt like they were not going to let this giants team. uh, They weren't going to let the deadline pass without helping them out and giving them Mm -hmm. an extra player to help them try to have a magical season and try to, you know, put a bow on a magical season. And so once they got Bryant, I was very happy. <laughs> and I was, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just exciting. And the fans immediately embraced him. And there was rumors about who was going uh, yeah, to the Cubs in the trade. So we can talk about that too. People yeah. were freaking out that it was mm-hmm. Joey Bart and Lamont Wade Jr. Mm-hmm. We can talk more about that later. But anyway, it was exciting. The Giants, like they waited it out. And I think they actually ended up paying a lesser price than some of these other teams paid for rental players. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it was, it ended up, it ended up being really fun for the Giants. Yeah. Zaidi just, just yet again, I don't know if he's like cemented a top five executive just because maybe it's a shorter time span. Maybe people want to wait, you know, like a couple more years. Cause I'm usually like that. And in all of baseball, I like to wait a little bit, but uh, I mean, he's clearly on his way there. And I think this is a good example of it. And Lamonte Wade. Yeah. Like Lamonte Wade has just been, it's just every, I think we've already talked about this, but like if there were 30 breakouts that happened this year, 30 underwhelming, not underwhelming um, under the radar 
players heading into the season. The Giants have like 20 of the 30. <laughs> like it's just from Disclafani to even I know he's he's been hurt. I don't think he's back yet, but even like Aaron Sanchez and all these guys, like they they just picked up. They're really smart and they're what I like about them is they didn't stumble into this, at least in my opinion, where you look at some other teams like the Rays who just keep selling and they're smart too, but I always get annoyed by these teams that sell and seemingly aren't, they don't have to pay for that. The giants just did that, but in a different way, they, they bought like low contract stuff. They did Gosman for another year. They did this like we mentioned, then they find Lamonte Wade and Alex Dickerson and all these guys. And it's just been kind of like, everyone's going to be saying, why are you giving so much praise to a, a division rival to those people? I say, look, I, I just don't, have a hatred for the Giants I just don't not to mention they beat the Giants' butt so many times that I kind of am grateful for them it's one of the more memorable teams that I can remember at least in terms of a team that I shouldn't be rooting for and I'm not obviously but like it's it's you don't get this very often where I'm like I just I appreciate it they're money ball but like a little bit more legitimate of a money ball and what I mean by that is the movie obviously that everybody's seen before like they kind of leave out some parts that they had like the MVP on that team, that giant name and everyone thought was just a little bit overrated, but with the giants, it's like with the exception of Buster Posey and maybe, maybe Brandon Crawford and Brandon belt, just because they were on those world series teams, you probably couldn't find anybody that could name people on this giants roster. So like, what has it been like following this just absolutely magical team this year? I mean, it's been great and you nailed it. It's been a bunch of random people. Like for the most part, <laughs> the, the fact that they're the, like to be contending is one thing, but, but to be the best team in the game, as I think they've had the best record for at least a month straight. Without... Maybe just week one, maybe after we played you guys. And then ever since then, basically it was on top. Yeah. They've been in first place for well over two months alone. Like the Dodgers or the Padres have not passed them mm-hmm. once in the last two and a half months or so. And just the fact that they're doing it with, you know, Darren Ruff and Alex Dickerson. <laughs> yeah, and, Barry Bonds, yeah. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, just a bunch of kind of random guys in a way, but they've all provided value. That's the thing is they are kind of greater than the sum of their parts in a lot of ways. Yeah. They have just good players, one through 26 on the roster, and they each and every guy gets put in a good position to succeed. Like, They don't overexpose them. You know, if you're a left-handed hitter, they don't overexpose you against tough left-handed pitching. They platoon all the time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they've got players who are good defensively. They've got players who aren't so good defensively, but they hit a lot. Mm -hmm. And so it's been magical. It's been magical. And, you know, I didn't expect this. You know that I expected them to be a lot better than people thought. Generally, people were really down on this team, and and mm-hmm. I was thinking that was crazy, to be honest. Yeah, and I did too. Actually, I learned from 2020. I learned. Right. <laughs> I was they like, were nope. tough. Yeah, they were a tough team. Even though they didn't make the playoffs last year, they were a very tough team, and they had a lot of, if not for the Padres and Trent Grisham, your boy, like yeah. they probably oh make God. the playoffs. <laughs> like, <laughs> like don't remind me. They just didn't have that. That they don't have a Tatis. Right. They just have a lot of just really like like we've said this word a lot, but random players. They don't have a Manny. They don't have even even a Trent Grisham type. Right. They just got Lamonte Wade. And then they have on top of these random guys, just the the at least as far as I can remember. And granted, I have a sometimes short term memory. I think we all do as a culture these days. We're always saying best ever, worst ever. But 
I can't remember the last time a team had former all-stars as many as the Giants do in their old age, seemingly just find it. It's not just one. It's three guys probably with Brandon Belt, uh, Buster Posey, and Brandon Crawford, who literally has never done this before, by the way. At least Buster Posey has been this good before. Brandon Crawford, when it comes to especially the power, I have never seen him do this before. I don't know what happened to him, but it's just been, it's really been stupendous to watch. It's the hitting coaches. And I think a lot of credit has to go. I mean, obviously the players put in the work and they make mm-hmm. the changes and they they're out there on the field facing, you know, 98 mile an hour sinkers, but the hitting coaches hired by Gabe Kapler, it's like the sequence of events, the first, the front office change, then Bruce Bochy retiring, bringing in Gabe Kapler. It's, I mean, Gabe Kapler has a, had a bad reputation, but from for my money, he's easily the manager of the year, has done yeah. a great job. And then the coaches, the coaches that he hired are all new and they're not traditional coaches. They're not just like Joe Schmo hitting coach who just says hit a line drive up the middle. They are <laughs> helping these guys improve. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing, like you mentioned, players who seem to be very much declining and or never even reached this level of production. They're reversing the decline, reaching new heights. And it's, you know, famously guys like Justin Turner and JD Martinez changed their swings and became stars. And the Giants are receiving that type of instruction from their hitting coaches. And it has led several players. And even I would throw Evan Longoria into that category. Forgot about him. He's been hurt. Belt's been hurt. But when they've been healthy, Longoria, Belt, Crawford, Posey, they've all turned Mm -hmm. back the clock and are performing. And then all these other players are also performing. So, I mean, at some point, I don't think true talent-wise, they are easily the best team in the league, but that's how they have played. And it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out because this division has been wild, to say the least. Hold up a minute. Hold up a minute. Hold up a minute. You know what the best protein bars in the world are, guys? Those are, of course, the Built Bars. You should know that already. But if you don't, let me tell you about them for a quick second. They're covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. And best of all, all sorts of flavors. Everything from coconut to cherry barcia to cookies and cream, orange, strawberry, double chocolate, mint brownie, raspberry, salted caramel. They have everything. And all these limited time flavors that pop up every now and then, like carrot cake and grasshopper cookie, they've got everything you could want guys they're so so yummy and best of all they are healthy for you they're protein bars that's the best part right 17 to 18 grams of protein calories ranging from 130 to 180 only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams net carbs amazing flavors all tasty all healthy guys so what are you waiting for go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your next order remember that is promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com yeah, it, it's funny because I think I literally before we recorded that like this preseason, we were talking about how Longoria secretly was just like one of the most like, you know, kind of obsolete players like in the yeah. league. And now he's just back. Granted, like we said, he was hurt. We said that a little bit with Brandon Crawford, how the defense at some point you got to hit the ball. I don't care how good of a glove you have. You have to at least hit the ball. And he is doing that. So it, it's been a wild, wild ride um, for sure. But now I'm wondering, do you have any questions for me? regarding the Padres deadline. I, I imagine you do because the Padres were some people say disappointing. I've 
kind of reeled it back in to a degree. But uh, let me know what uh, kind of any any you know questioning, any Sherlock Holmes type of questions you might have for me. Yeah, the big one that jumps out that we have to get out of the way first, I would say, is about Max Scherzer because yeah, the Giants wanted him, the Giants fans wanted him. Uh, the Padres were were rumored to be close to a deal by mm-hmm. Ken Rosenthal saying breaking Padres close to acquiring Max Scherzer, yep. right? So <laughs> the world went, the internet went crazy with and that. Myself included. And yourself included. Um, some of your language on Twitter is just hilarious, <laughs> but <laughs> if anyone doesn't follow this guy, you absolutely must. <laughs> thank you. But, thank you. Yeah. So, um, you know, and he ends up with the Dodgers. So it's disappointing to the mm-hmm. Giants and their fans. But I would say, and we talked about this privately, that it was way worse from the Padres' perspective. Yeah. Not only to the heartbreak of thinking you're getting him and then not, but the the fact that he goes to the Dodgers, I think, hurts the Padres more than it hurts the Giants at this point. So just can you talk about that whole situation? And Yeah, I and mean, kind of, yeah. I think the psychology of it is just like, I don't think the deadline would have been as, I think there are certain things that happen that make my perspective on the Padres deadline different. The first one obviously is that the Dodgers don't get Max Scherzer. The second point is that they also got Trey Turner because apparently the nationals were like, yeah, throw him. We'll throw him in too. Why not? We're not going to pay an all-star top five shortstop in baseball. We just are like, Let's not do that. Give us that catching prospect that you've been trying to ship around for the past year and a half. Well, yeah, that's not a bad sign at all when a team wants to get rid of a prospect seemingly in every trade. And we also won't take Gavin Lux off your hands either, who's actually literally played in the major league level. Uh, So that was lovely. Um, And then the third part is like, if it wasn't reported, then I don't think it stings as much. The fact that, like you said, I lose my mind. I've been for the past year doing a bit where I, I continually for everybody who listens to my pod, like just continually begging AJ Preller to murder me in increasingly gruesome ways because he's made so many moves. So I have to keep like coming up with different uh, variations of it. And this time I wanted him to punch me into a black hole, but then the problem is that Ken Rosenthal now new, new newly anointed villain of San Diego uh, seemed to be wrong on that. AJ Preller came out and said like at the time it was inaccurate. I don't know necessarily if that's like a, a technicality point on his part where he's just like, yeah, we were close two hours before he tweeted that. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe I don't exactly know. We probably won't ever know, but I think that's what makes it sting uh, the most is that not only did they need a starting pitcher, they didn't necessarily need Scherzer. I'd been saying that for the long time. I didn't care if you went out and, you know, got a low end guy, do a giants thing, go after a pitcher you think is underperforming, go after your Andrew Heaney, like the Yankees did. I know he was really bad, but I'm just saying like, I would appreciate a flyer. You didn't have to only go for gold guys breaking news. It's not hard for your analysis to be go get the best starting pitcher on the market. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Every team wants that. I'm looking at you Mets fans. Um, but from that perspective, I think the, and then the other thing is they still did make some moves. They acquired Daniel Hudson, who's a really good reliever um, from the nationals fire sale. And they got Adam Frazier who I'm not overly, overly over the moon about. I think it's exciting. He does lead the NL in hits. Uh, even if some of his BABIP stuff does raise reasons for concern. But like if he had done those moves on deadline day, maybe my psychology is like, well, they did make moves. It's just that they happened to do Frazier like a week before. So it's it's a whole bunch of things. I think that the Padres are still a really good team. And I think that the fan base mostly just has to get on board with the fact that this might be a 93 to 95 win team at best. 
which is not bad. It just happens that you have two of the other best executives in the game. One of them who can just use the Avengers Endgame budget every season uh, and just has all the money in the world. They spend money on Trevor Bauer. We don't have to relitigate that whole thing. And then now they just get to get Max Scherzer and Trey So it's really frustrating. But at the same time, the Dodgers aren't exactly known for, uh, you know, winning when they're supposed to, I guess, with the exception of 2020. So there's still there's still hope, but I, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I was frustrated and kind of wanted them to make a, a big splash for an arm at the deadline. You mentioned the psychology of it, and I think that I just find that really interesting. And part of part of it, when you talk about the disappointment of the deadline and why I said I thought it was a bigger deal to the Padres that the Dodgers got Scherzer, and um, it's because... The Giants are having this fairy tale season, and at this at the time of this recording, the Padres are seven back of the Giants, yeah. and so the the hope of I don't know exactly where the Padres and their fans are mentally right now. Is it like have you given up a little bit on winning the division? Because as it's possible that the Giants fall apart, but is it possible that the Giants fall apart and you surpass the Dodgers? That's why to yeah. me Scherzer is such a big blow. Because if you're hopeful to do that, it's just you could have had Scherzer and that helps you get there. Mm -hmm. But then the Dodgers had Scherzer and Turner. I didn't I'm not even mentioning him, but that's a big move too. Uh, like what is the the mindset about the possibility of winning this division right now? It's kind of like the way I see it is also is that AJ probably has done so many moves that I freaked out about that I kind of have to trust him. Um, and in some ways I'm like, look, bottom line is he may not have given up the assets and I don't like hoarding prospects in perpetuity but there's still assets so like they're still there and they're clearly assets they still got two top level prospects in gore who i know has struggled a little bit in the minors but then cj Avers, and then people like robert hassel and luis campisano so like they still have some good farm systems up there's still moves to make if you don't want to only tie everything to this this year and the next year it's good to have flexibility sometimes just look at what the dodgers have done they've had plenty of flexibility right but you're right the the mindset of it right now is also just like, I have to believe that AJ probably thought there might be too many things that need to happen for the Dodgers to win the division, not make the playoffs, but win the division. They have to be thinking, you know what, at this point, I'm just buying the Giants, man. Everything's going right for them. Gosman is clearly a freak, you know, and, and it might just be one of those dream seasons. We literally just had that last year for the Padres, if not for Denelson Lamette and um, Mike Clevenger getting hurt. Who knows how far they go? I know the Dodgers fans like to pretend that losing your top two starting pitchers just doesn't matter, but like it actually does. Breaking news. Uh, so maybe without that, maybe they do beat the Dodgers or at least take them farther than three games. So we don't necessarily know. And maybe having experienced a dream team season, they know maybe the Giants are just just destined for that. And instead, maybe we look towards the off season. One thing that I've been that I'm writing about currently, that hopefully will be out by the time of this recording, is that like. We don't know who's going to just surprisingly be available. Last season, it's not like it was a popularized belief that Blake Snell was going to be available, you know, come the off season. No one really, they were like, oh, he's on a low contract. Yeah, it's the Rays, but still, he's what a scion before. And all of a sudden he's available. Who knows, Shane Bieber or some guy from the Cleveland Indians who, again, another team that loves to sell all the time and never get better. Maybe one of those guys gets available and he has an idea that that may happen. So I think bottom line is probably just deserve a lot of benefit of the doubt, but I'd be lying to you if I said like with Chris Paddock being a wild card with Lamette's issue being a wild card with his, with his injuries and Blake Snell being one of the biggest busts of the entire season. It's, 
it's concerning, but maybe he's still, you got, you got to believe that he hopes that things will have a positive regression on that front. And cut everybody that about does it for part one, just part one of my discussion with Mr. Ben Casper regarding all the trade deadline talk and a lot about the giants and what's going on with the division. Uh, and it, it was a lot of fun and I hope you enjoyed listening to it before we wrap up today's episode. Let me just talk to you really quickly about a very special podcast guys betting on the Padres. It doesn't have to be a guessing game. Betting on the NL West doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new locked on bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert, Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Lots of good stuff on there, guys. Believe me, they are killing it. They really, seriously, I listen to it. Like, they, even though I'm not, you know, like, I'm not a big betting guy, but I listen to it and they, they don't miss on their big lock of the day. So shout out to those two. Uh, and in terms of the future of this podcast, guys, tomorrow we're going to be recapping whatever transpires in today's Oakland game, earlier timing, uh, Oakland A's game, which should be uh, hopefully a lot of fun. Hopefully the Padres can get the, the mini sweep here. And then going to be continuing my chat uh, with Ben talking about the rest of the deadline, the rest of the Giants stuff. He asked me some questions. It's, it, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time. And we talk about, don't worry, we make fun of the Rockies a little bit too. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. I know I always love talking to Ben. And yeah, with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, where. Ever be sure to send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcasts app, and in those reviews, you can send me a question, and I guarantee you it will be answered here on the show. What a deal that is. Don't want to miss, don't want to miss it. Don't want to miss it. Uh, follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and of course stay faithful. My fire faithful homies. Take care.